Access more. This is Equip and Empower, the Christine Kane podcast. For everyone who desires to bring hope, create change, and live out their God-given destiny with passion and joy. Here's your host, Christine Kane. joining us today. I know that God has a word for you. Now we are in an epic series on what it is not to drift. We started with the writer to the Hebrews. He wrote that, you know, we've got to pay careful attention lest we drift from so great a salvation. And we want to be people that stay on course with the purpose of God, with the plan of God. And you know what? It's so easy to drift in life. There's a reason why these signs are up everywhere you go at the beach. Look, cute man, say me. Okay. So it's like, there's a reason those signs are up because the undercurrent is so strong that if you just go swimming and do nothing, but just swim before you know it, you've ended up drifting down the coast. And we don't want to be people that drift. So we're learning on how it is, what kind of principles do we need to apply in our lives so that we can stay on track with our God-given purpose and stay on track with our God-given destiny? Because I not only want to run my race, I want to finish my course. I want to finish strong. I want to fix my eyes on Jesus. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to just drift with the current of this age. I want to do what God's called me to do. So we have looked at a whole lot of things if we want to actually uh, make sure that we're not drifting. How do, how do we know? Like the thing is it's one thing not to drift. How do you do a self-examination? And really throughout this series, we've been going, okay, let me have a look on the inside to go, are there areas in my life where I may have drifted? And so one of those ways is we know that we've drifted when we start striving and we uh, stop resting. We stop resting in the love and the grace and the mercy of God and we're trying to make things happen and that's just exhausting and you end up burnt out and you know you've drifted from the grace of God when you start trying to make things happen in your own strength rather than relying on the strength of God. We know that we've drifted when we stop working and we start watching as if there's a Christian stadium and only a few people, the elite troops are on the playing field and everyone else is in the grandstand. That doesn't exist. That does not exist. You know that you've drifted from the plan and purposes of God when you're watching something you should be actually participating in. You know you've drifted when you've stopped pressing and you start coasting. You just kind of go on what's happened in your past rather than pressing in to lay a hold of the awesome future that Jesus Christ has for you. You know that you've drifted when you stop gathering and you start isolating when you stop getting together with other believers, stop being in the house of God and you start just isolating yourself and you become a very easy target for the enemy when that happens. Another way that you know that you're drifting is when we stop healing and we start seeping. And see, what we want to do is allow Jesus Christ to continue to do an ongoing work of healing and restoration. Now, in my life and in my ministry, this would be the biggest thing that has happened in my life. I'm the kid that was left in a hospital, unnamed and unwanted. I was sexually abused for 12 years. So I was so broken, grew up the daughter of immigrants in government housing in the poorest zip code in my state. So 
you know what? I, I had a lot of shame issues. I had a lot of bitterness. I had a lot of unforgiveness. I was so broken. So I came to Jesus with a willing heart and a willing spirit. And although my spirit was instantly born again, I was still broken on the inside. God has created us body, soul and spirit. Now, you know, we have no problem with understanding when our spirit is born again that our body is not changed overnight. I mean, if you came to Jesus with cellulite, after you prayed the <laughs> sinner's prayer, you still had cellulite. It didn't go away when you got saved. And so if you came to Jesus with a wounded soul, then it just stands to reason that praying a sinner's prayer that saves our spirit doesn't mean that our soul is instantly brought back together. So I was this one big gaping wound, full of purpose, full of destiny, wanted to pursue the purpose of God, wanted to do what God has called me to do. But everywhere I went, I was seeping on people because I had wounds that hadn't been tended to. Now, you know how it is. If you've got a gaping wound, you can put a, a little Band-Aid on it. My husband, has taken up over the last year mountain bike riding. Um, and so in typical male form, his friend from Australia comes over. He said, Chris, Nick's turning 50. I've entered him into this race. I just think it's time we do something new and something great. And so, you know, can I take him to South Africa so we can do this race? I had no idea what it was. It's a mountain bike race. And I thought this is a good thing for Nick to get fit, start riding a bike. That's awesome. Well, of course, this is like the top premier mountain bike race in the world. It's called the Cape Epic. It's like the Tour de France of mountain bikes. And so my poor husband goes, nearly ends up with kidney failure and, you know, like it's so massive. But um, in the midst of it, when he was training, and now he trains it and now he will want me to tell you all that he's a very accomplished mountain bike rider. But in his early days, he, he fell off and... Um, I, I, I almost threw up when he came home because it, it just, he had this gaping wound. I mean, the rocks, he'd fallen on the rocks and it had just taken literally just entire chunks out of his leg and it was like not attractive. And I, I don't do, you know, there's a reason I'm not a nurse and I'm a preacher. There's a reason, <laughs> God bless every nurse and doctor in the world. But anyway, it was, that thing just kept seeping. Now I could have put a Band-Aid on it, uh, but that wasn't gonna stop the seeping, it needed to go to the hospital, it needed to get cleaned up, it needed a bandage on it and it needed time to heal. Now, if you averted any one of that, any part of that process, if we didn't get it cleaned up, if we didn't get it properly bound up, if we didn't give it time to heal, that thing would just keep seeping. What happens with a lot of us as Christians is that we don't allow the time for the healing to happen. And it's an ongoing process. And you know, anyone that's read any of my books or that listens to me regularly, you know that I'm regularly going and getting ongoing help and deeper layers of healing. When my mother passed away 18 months ago. And then um, my sister-in-law, that was my age. And then my husband's sister and my husband's brother-in-law, all in a one year period, it was like another layer of healing needed to happen in my own life of just coping with loss, in particular my mother and what that brought up with my biological mother and my adopted mother. And it was like, really God, you mean in my fifties? And it's like, yes, yes. If we could go to another layer of healing, um, then I'm gonna have another layer of more fruitful ministry, which is what I really want to do. Now that happens for every single one of us. But if we just, what we tend to do is we try to bury our pain or we try to, you know, either bury it or deny it. 
uh, or ignore it. Now, if you bury or deny or ignore the woundedness that has happened to you in your life and go, well, you know, that's under the blood, that's under the blood, it didn't happen. I need you to understand that calling something that happened and saying that it didn't happen is called lying. It's not called faith. Faith is not calling those things that are as though they are not. That's called lying. Faith is calling things that are not as though they are. Ah, and so I need you to, it's not saying if I was sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. Now that's called lying, like you are. So let's just stop coughing over me and take your not sick self somewhere else. Okay, so that's fine. But faith is calling that thing that is not, which is my healing, as though it is. And so I would uh, declare and pray my healing that is not yet manifest. And so it's calling those things that are not as though they are. I'm not standing there going, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, because that's just lying. And so here is the, the deal. When it comes to emotional woundedness, and all of us have been emotionally wounded in some way, shape or form, if that is not dealt with, something somewhere in your future, another person, another circumstance is going to trigger it and you are going to end up seeping on a lot of people. I see this in social media all the time and I think, wow, that's just happening. They're commenting out of their wound, not out of wisdom. They're commenting out of their pain, not out of wisdom. They're commenting out of shame, not out of wisdom. Or they're commenting out of anger and reaction, not out of wisdom. And if we're going to be people that are going to speak grace to the world in which we live and not go with the current of the age, then we've got to allow God to keep healing us. Because if something triggers you instantly on Twitter or on Instagram and you're just reacting out of that broken place on the inside of you, you're not going to bring health and healing to anyone, you're going to bring woundedness and you're going to seep all of that and excuse the image, but that pussy, horrible stuff over every, and I'm just seeing it all over the world. I'm seeing people repaying evil for evil and anger for anger and shame for shame and guilt for, and I'm like, whoa, this is worse than a pussy scab that's just had the, the scab ripped off and it's just seeping over everybody and it's toxic and it's dangerous. It's very, very, and that's not our job. Our job is to bring health and to bring healing and to bring wholeness. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon us because He has anointed us to bring good news. Remember that, good news. And don't bring good news with a scowl on your face. Bring good news in a happy way. <laughs> bring you, and, and this good news is for all people and it's full of great joy. Uh, some Christians need to remind their face that this is good news. They need to remind their face that there's a lot of joy to do with this. They need to remind their Twitter thumbs that, hey, this is good news. Can we all be happy? Can we all like give the world someone to follow? Like the way you look at some people and go, wow just full of pain, just full of destruction. And that's because we're not letting the Lord deal with things on the inside of us. And you can numb it and try to numb it as much as you want. You can try to bury it as much as you want. You can try to ignore it as much as you want, but something will trigger it. And then like a volcano, it's going to erupt on the outside of you. But Jesus came to set you free. Jesus came to heal you. Jesus came to heal us from the inside out. He doesn't, this is not some kind of behavior modification program. I want you to know that Christianity is not about, you know, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to church. I go and I'm just going to be this nice little Christianette that listens to the sermonette and then dances my little pirouette. That is not what this deal is about. This is not behaviour modification. It's heart transformation. Jesus Christ changes us from the inside out and He transforms our heart. He transforms our heart. I wonder which area of your heart you've kept broken, you've just kept locked up. And that's what happens to us. And some of us, we're headed for a spiritual heart attack. 
You know, if I get regularly, I have to go and have medical tests and, you know, they'll put those little things on you with the little things, you know, to check your heart, the ECE, whatever, the EKG, thank you very much. Okay, the EKG. And I love it because the doctor's like, Mrs Kane, you have the heart of a woman half your age, which, you know, when you're 52, you're like, Anya, 26, yes, okay. So, But, um, you know, they're checking my arteries and they're checking my heart valves to make sure that there's no build-up of anything that could lead to a heart attack. Now, if you don't deal with the toxic poison, the unforgiveness and the bitterness and the shame and the guilt and the lust and the greed and the gossip and the slander and the envy, uh, you know, and the jealousy, if you don't start dealing with that, that hardens around your heart and that causes a spiritual toxicity to happen that can lead to a spiritual heart attack and that's how we just end up drifting because it's our heart's not healthy. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Out of it flow all of the issues of life. Every issue of life actually stems from our heart. And so when you have a Christianity that's just all about behaviour modification and then you're wondering why your heart's not changing and eventually you've drifted away from the things of God, it's because you're trying to do an outside-in Christianity rather than an inside-out Christianity. And you're going to end up seeping over people wherever you go. God cares about you as a whole person. God knows you as a whole person. God loves you, even those parts of you that you don't like and you don't love. You can bring that brokenness to Him. You can bring that. He knows it anyway. Sometimes we act with God as if He doesn't know it. It's like, I don't know what you think He does in heaven. Oh, I have no idea. He is God. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. And while we were yet sinners, He died for us. He loved us while we were yet sinners. So you on your worst day, God still loved you and gave His life for you. So you don't have to hide anything from Him. Bring everything to him so he can redeem it and heal it in Jesus' name. He can redeem it and heal it in Jesus' name. And I say this with such confidence and such love and such compassion because Jesus has done this in my life and is continuing to do it. It wasn't just a one-off thing. As I, he, I continue to allow him to heal me, then I seep less and less over people. And you know, the your willingness to go through the process of healing is really part of what enables the healing to take place. Sometimes we go, well, if Jesus just wanted to do it, it would just do it. And we go back to our Doris Day, okay, sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. Well, the word of the Lord to you is what the Lord said to the man by the pool of Bethesda. Do you want to be healed? Do you, you know, he never asked the woman with the issue of blood if she wanted to be healed. She grabbed the hem of his garment and she was healed. But he did ask him, do you want to be healed? Because for some people, we just lie there because we'd rather lie there than get up and get healed and take on the responsibility that comes with that. And I think it's crucial. I remember when um, I was skiing once and I went on a, a ski trip with my husband, our family and five other American families. It was during the Vancouver Olympics. And so we were really, really focused on representing Australia because I was with all of these American families and I felt very patriotic with the Olympics. And um, so I had never skied. That was irrelevant. And so <laughs> I would watch, but I would watch the Vancouver Olympics at night. I was so into it. And then I would try to copy it in the day. I mean, I didn't know, you know, but I, I, I just thought, and I would try to copy it on my flat green slope, you know, that was the, with all the two-year-olds that were just like the money. 
And this one day my husband wanted to go, I think you may have heard me tell the story, he wanted to go skiing with all his friends and they were going on the black double diamond, you know, the, the, that one. And, but I made him come with me. And so he came with me on the flat bunny slope and at one point I said to him, Nick, if you were with the guys right now, you wouldn't be having any more fun, would you? And of course, anybody that's married or been married for more than two seconds, you know that if your wife asks you a loaded question like that, the correct answer is always, honey, there is nowhere. I would rather be on earth than on this flat green slope with you. And of course, if you wanted any action that night, that's exactly what you would say to your spouse. That's exactly what you would say. But my husband being a man of integrity, he turns around and he goes, you know what, babe? If I was with the guys right now, I would be having much more fun, not more, much more fun. <laughs> to which at this point, I turn around, famous last words, look over my shoulder, I went, well, sweetheart, eat my snow. And so with that, I started downhill. Now I knew about 20 seconds later, I was in extreme trouble on my second somersault that was not <laughs> intended when I heard the loudest pop, pop, pop that you've heard. And I snapped my ACL, tore my MCL, tore my meniscus, fractured my knee, did it all. You know, my husband had to call the ski patrol. They put you in that little coffin, you know, you go down the mountain and, and then they, putting me in the ambulance. I had to go to hospital. I had a hamstring graft. And uh, in Australia, you do a hamstring graft. In America, you tend to do more of a patella kind of, uh, whatever it is that one does. You can tell I'm not a doctor. And so, um, but I remember after the hamstring graft, the doctor came in, the PT, and said to me, Christine, here's the deal. The kind of accident you have had, it is a massive accident. It's the worst thing you could do to a knee, like if you're a professional athlete, you're not coming back from this. It was so serious. He said, actually, most people don't come back. They won't go and run again or ski again from this kind of injury because it was so major. And it's not necessarily because they can't. He said, but here is the deal. The accident happened in an instant. It was so painful, but it happened in an instant. You have to understand that now you have to commit to a year of intensive therapy that is deeply painful. The pain of the injury is nothing compared to the pain of the recovery. So Christine, you have a choice. You can recover quickly or slowly. You can recover completely or partially. It is entirely up to you. But the degree to which you are willing to embrace the pain of recovery is the degree to which you will recover. And here is the deal for us as Christians. So often the Lord will put His hand on a certain area of our life that He goes, come on, I'm going to go there. He tenderly comes in and gently comes in and says, we're going to bring some healing and some, it's time to deal with this. It's time to deal with this attitude. It's time to deal with this brokenness. It's time to deal with this issue from your past. It could be abuse. It could be shame or guilt or condemnation or a habit or something that's happened from our past. And He starts and he puts his finger on it and he begins a healing process like the doctor with my knee, begins to bend that knee. But I'm going, oh, don't do anymore. Stop God, it hurts. And then we just stop. And then we limp through our Christian life like this, like I could still be with my leg now. Because somewhere along the line, we wouldn't let God move at another degree. We wouldn't let, and that's what it took me in my healing process. It was every day. I mean, we were talking a degree a day. 
That's it. And I would be tears streaming down my face and I'd have to hold it up against a wall so that in that one degree so that it could get into that place. And then you'd put it down and you ask anybody that's had any kind of rehab and it would be one degree, one degree, one degree. And then eventually, two years after that, I went skiing again. And then I only did it the once that I went, I did three runs down the blue so my kids would never, their last memory of their mother is not like being in the coffin down the thing. <laughs> so that their last memory of their mother is actually coming down the ski slopes, but it's not, you know, did that, been there, did that, got the T-shirt, not doing it again. So <laughs> we're done. But, you know, and I run fully by God's grace and for the, all the thing that I do is absolutely awesome. But here is the deal. The deal is I had to embrace the pain of recovery. So yes, have I recovered? Yes. Was it painful? Yes. So to walk into the fullness of the purpose that Jesus Christ has for my life, um, am I doing it to the best of my ability? Yes. Has it been painful? Yes. Does it continue to be painful? Yes. Over the last few years has been some of the most darkest, most painful spiritual growth years of my life internally. Now I have a very public life and my life is all out there. It's not like that anything's going on privately, but in my heart, God's like, Chris, especially when my mum passed away, Chris, we're going to go and we're going to deal with some more of this adoption stuff now and some more of the abandonment stuff. Chris, there's more people I want you to help in your future, so I've got to go deeper in you. And the degree to which you allow me to go deeper in you is the degree to which I'll be able to help other people through you. And so I could have stopped healing in that area and still be limping, would Jesus still love me? Of course. Does he love me any more that I'm more whole? No, no. While I was yet a sinner, he loved me. The issue isn't not, not whether he loves me. Am I going any more to heaven now than I was going before? Well, no. The minute I was in Christ, I was saved for all of eternity and going to heaven. So it's not an issue of salvation and it's not an issue of Jesus's love. It's an issue of fruitfulness. How fruitful do I want to be? And if it's to my Father's great glory that I bear much fruit, that means I've got to go through some more pain of pressing. If I'm going to produce more oil, I've got to go through more pain. Now, I could fluke it like everybody else nowadays and say, well, you know what? I can just hide behind my preaching gift and have a television ministry and I can just write some books and I can just travel and I've got A21 and I've got Propel and nobody would know, but Jesus would know. Jesus would know. And then you see there's a direct correlation between pressing and producing, between pressing and healing and producing life and reaching and helping more and more people. Your willingness to embrace that will determine how fruitful you will be for the glory of God. But you've got to be willing to embrace the pain of recovery. And this kind of quick fix Christianity that says, just come out on an altar call, I'm going to spit on you. You're going to fall over and get back up. <laughs> it's, that's why Christians just live for event to event. Just like, let me go to an event and I need the next event and I need the next shot and I need the next hit because we don't know how to develop and be transformed in the process in between the events. I love events. I run a whole lot of events with Propel. But my issue is an event is somewhere where you encounter with God so that a process can start that you can then begin to outwork as you are transformed and developed through the event. You cannot live an event-driven Christianity and survive in your life. We're supposed to be being transformed to the image of Jesus Christ. We've got to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That means we've got to let him come in. And some of you, your relationships, your job, you go from job to job. You can't commit to a person. You cannot balance your checkbook. And it's because you're seeping 
these areas of brokenness that have, you've not allowed the Lord to come in and bring healing. And if the degree to which we allow him to bring healing in those places of our hearts, you will see a direct correlation with things in your life starting to come into order and relationships being made whole, finances coming together and things in your purpose and your destiny you'll start to outwork that and you'll start to walk into the fullness of that. But you've got to allow Jesus to come in and do a deep healing work. Don't run from God. Don't bury your pain. Don't hide from your pain. Don't try to numb your pain. Bring your pain to the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. He is the one that bears our scars. He is the one that understands our pain. He went through what He went through so that He could comfort us in our time of need. Don't run from Him, run to Him, come before Him and watch Him bring healing and wholeness into your life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening today. We hope today's message has encouraged and helped you. By the way, we'd love to see you positioned to experience all the great things God wants to do in your life. And we've got a special gift that'll help you do that. Just go to christinecane.com forward slash podcast devotional and download your free copy of Christine's 14-day devotional, Spiritual Growth Spurts.